Hello everyone, welcome to this week's edition of Growth Everywhere, where we interview successful entrepreneurs and bring you business and personal growth tips. Today we are talking to Ryan Carson, who is the CEO and founder of Treehouse, and who also happened to be my old boss before. Uh, I'm very thankful for my experience at Treehouse. Ryan, how are you doing today? Yeah, great. Thanks for letting me be on the show. I'm excited. Great to have you. So um, yeah, why don't we start off with talking a little bit about um, what Treehouse is, um, and so our audience gets an idea. Cool. So Treehouse is an online school, and we teach people how to code and how to make apps. So if you want to make iPhone apps or Android apps, or if you want to make a website or code an app for the web, uh, we take you from knowing nothing to being able to do that. Cool. Great. And you know, Treehouse has been on a tear, uh, you know, recently in terms of growth. Um, so you know, how are you guys doing in terms of revenue and in terms of users right now? Um, thanks. We're doing. Um, Thanks for saying that. We're doing uh, really well. It's kind of you know a, a lot of this is like half luck, a lot of trying, you know, everything in between. Um, but we're doing about eight million plus in revenue now a year. Um, we have over fifty thousand students, um, and we're growing. We're growing really fast. So um, I think everything, thankfully, is kind of working really well, and uh, and we're really excited about the future. Nice. Cool. So, you know, obviously a lot of companies want to get to kind of where Treehouse is at right now. So I always like to ask, you know, how did you acquire your first 100 users? Well, the key for us um, was, you know, the, the idea that you build an overnight success over years of hard work, right? Mm -hmm. So the key for us was I built up um, a business uh, called Carsonified or, or Future of Web Apps, which is an events company. And we did these conferences. And um, the reason why we were doing conferences is because I was passionate about the web industry. And that built up a good network. You know, I was on stage, I was interviewing people, I was seen as the connector. And, uh, and, and what, when we decided to launch Treehouse, we thought, you know, um, we want to be able to teach people, but at scale. So let's build Treehouse. We did that. And then we launched it on top of that business. So, I actually launched Treehouse at one of my own conferences, um, and that worked really well. You know, and that's not repeatable for everybody, but but I believe the basic truth of you know running an event in the niche that you are aiming at and becoming a connector in that niche or that industry yields huge results. Um, it takes a little while, and it's you know it's not super easy running a, a, a conference, but if you do it and you don't try to make a profit. Then almost anyone can do that. It's almost like a meetup, you know, a glorified meetup. Do a couple of those, be seen as the connector. I, I I can't say it enough to people. That has been probably the single biggest source of any success I've had is building up this network early on, and then um, you know offering value to that network, and then and then when it came time, you know, asking that network to buy. Got it. So let's dive. Let's dive a little bit into that. So you say, uh, you know, maybe starting from the beginning, if you want to build like a network, you might start throwing meetups. So what? I mean, and you talk about adding value to them too. So how would you start doing that? Like, what would be your process? Well, so um, I would start by looking at who you, your customer is, um, you know, and then trying to understand what do they want. You know, do they want to learn something? Do they want to um, find something? That, you know, what is it that that they want? And then um, you just start in your hometown and probably start a meetup. It's probably the, the shortest, like easiest thing to do. 
and you know, go to meetup.com would be an easy way to do that. And just get the first 10 people there. I mean, it, it feels very small and very insignificant at first, especially if you know, you're, you're, a, you're a hungry, driven individual. But um, I think even though it starts small, that stuff builds very quickly. And, and then you know, what you could do is just get a projector, invite someone to speak, and, and offer value to the attendees. You know, even try to get you know, free drinks at the end for them. And then once people start receiving value, it, this is why I think the book How to Win Friends and Influence People has been a real key to my success is just understanding, you know, what do people want and how can I help them get that? Um, and, and that same thing apply, applies to the events. And once you're kind of seen as this person that's running the event, people naturally assume that you know what you're doing for better or worse. And then and then they start coming to you, you get a reputation, and then you build on that. And it's a slow build, you know. This probably needs to be done in addition to any sort of online effort as well, you know. And and this is where actually I just picked up um, this book, which I'm sure you're aware of, um, the jab jab jab. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's. Yeah, I took the cover off it, but um, but it similar concept, and you know. And I thought actually that book was was going to be fairly simple, but actually it's got a ton of detailed um, case studies in it, and it's, mm-hmm. it's really good. It's a similar concept, though, like, hey, offer people value, 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 and then ask. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't think that concept is ever going to truly go away. You know, the way that's done may change, but events are a powerful way to do that, um, and then you can carry on that in social media. Yeah, my, my, one of my favorite quotes is from Zig Ziglar. It's about, you know, help others get what they want, and you'll get whatever you want. I think I agree with you. That concept's never going to go away. Um, so you, I mean, you started with meetups and you scaled it into a large-scale business. Um, why did you decide to get out of events? Well, primarily because I didn't think I was going to make a very large impact in the world. Um, you know, for better or worse, I guess uh, my ambitions were higher. You know, and I thought, well, this is powerful, and I am definitely encouraging people and connecting people. But it's it, this is never going to scale to millions of people and also it's always going to be restricted to people with enough wealth to attend these meetings. You know, the conferences with, with ticket plus airfare plus hotel plus travel costs, it's mm-hmm. thousands of dollars. So, so we just thought, how can we, off, how can we give life-changing education to people but at a very affordable price at scale? Um, and, you know, obviously video, you know, teaching through video and then taking tests online is a powerful way to do that. Got it. Okay, cool. Yeah, so going back into kind of the, the user acquisition p- portion of it. So um, obviously, you know, I was on the team before. Um, so how many how many marketers do you have on the team right now? We basically have um, a full-time designer, developer, mm-hmm. someone who does all the, the ad buys, you mm-hmm. know, basically look at, at um, AdWords. Um, they buy all of our, our display ads. Uh, they do that full-time, so it's three. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then we have a community manager. Um, so it's basically four people right now. Nice. Okay. Cool. And yeah. So I mean, you know, with a team like Treehouse, some some people might say, okay, you know, Treehouse is hitting that growth. Maybe they should build like a full out marketing team. Um, so the team seems fairly small. Um, is there any reason you guys decided to keep it small, or are you guys looking to scale it? I think we're going to scale it. Um, you know, it, it it could it could be and should be way bigger. You know, but we're basically. We're kind of hitting our stride now <clears throat> as far as measurement. We actually have the machinery in place now to understand, you know, our metrics. What what is our conversion rate? You know, what are the channels? Um, w- you know, what is the CPA? Um, 
at scale consistently. And well, part of that that's hard, as you know, and, and all of your, your viewers know, is attribution. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you do attribution right? And what we've decided on is to do a blended model where we we allocate, I can't remember, I'd have to ask the team the exact percentages, but you know, it's roughly something like um, 40% first click, you know, we attribute 40% of the cost of that. And then we do something like um, 20% or no, in the middle, I think it's about 30%. Um, and then at the end, it's 30%. So all that stuff, because, you know, we're spending a lot of money on YouTube mm-hmm. and that stuff never converts directly, mm-hmm. you know, but you know it converts. Like, and, and so what we're trying to do is, and of course, Google is telling us that our, you know, CPAs are like five bucks or something ridiculous, you know, mm-hmm. and like, well, we know that's not true, mm-hmm. but, but. Because what they're doing is they're saying, "Hey, they watched a YouTube video at some point, and then they convert." Yeah. So, so we're trying to, to to model acting now that we think we have modeled that correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now we're just really going nuts and, and trying to you know figure stuff out. Yeah, no, I'm really on board with that. So for our viewers, um, you know, Google Analytics has multi uh, multi touch attribution. It's still not as it's not ever going to be as good as building something in house. But it's at least a starting point for anyone that wants to get started. Um, a lot of companies like using last click attribution. Um, I personally don't think that's accurate enough. I think you know there's there's other touch points um, in the you know in the marketing funnel. So um, good point on that. Um, I think the key takeaway is you know get to the point where you can build your own tool and it'll be more accurate. Um, it's just hard. I mean, and that took us a long time. I mean, yeah. You know, geez, we've been we've been running the company after three years and. You know, you were here for a large point of that where we didn't have these tools in place, and it's it's really frustrating. But the problem is, it doesn't seem urgent enough when you launch. You know, you yeah. kind of oh, we'll figure it out, and then the app gets more complex, and there's more moving parts. And um, I wish we had done it sooner, but you know, oh well. Better to have it now than never, right? <laughs> cool. Um, so let's talk about um, no manager. The whole concept of you know not having any managers, removing that whole structure, and I, this is something that's really new. And you guys um, have just started it. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Cool. Yeah. So we we got to about um, thirty people, and then you know Alan and I, my co-founder, started hearing things like weird stuff, like there's rumors going around, you know, and there's kind of the, this behavior where people are are kind of acting like children, you know, this idea of, you know, they would talk to each other his back or saying someone's doing something or, and, and, and it all, the final straw that broke the camel's back is Alan called me and he said, someone said they're going to boycott the company meetup. And I was like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> what, what does that even mean? You know, and like, why are they not telling me? And how is, how is this even happening? This is insanity. So, so we, we thought, okay, maybe we just have too many layers of management. You know, I, I don't know. So, what if we remove the bottom layer? And we thought, well, what do they do? Um, you know, they, they they pass information, they they keep people aligned, um, and that's primarily what they do. So, what if what if we could help? What if we get a software to do that? Okay, well, that's that may be possible. What about the next layer, which is kind of the middle management? You know, um, what do they do? Well, similar things. They pass information. You know, they, they manage people's careers, um, they align people. Again, like, you know, is that really necessary? I don't know. It's not. And, you know, so then what, let's go to high level, okay, the execs. You know, we have chief content officers, a CTO, you know, a CEO, all this stuff. Um, 
And we just thought, you know, again, it's just another layer of abstraction from actually doing, you know. So if the theory is we're hiring smart people that are making good decisions, why are we not really allowing them to make decisions? You know, we, we say they're empowered, but the truth is they're not. Um, so we sort of said, what if we removed all the managers? And uh, we're like, well, that's crazy. No, wait, maybe. Yeah, maybe. All right, uh, all right let's do this. <laughs> and we basically wrote this huge document. You know, we really had to think it through because we thought, man, if we screw this up, it could, you know, derail the whole company. So we sat down over a weekend and wrote this, you know, it was probably like a 3,000 word um, post to our internal uh, forum called Convoy. And I can't remember if we had Convoy when you were here. No, I wish we would have. I wish we would have. <laughs> gosh, wow, I can't. Now, see, now it's the point I can't even imagine operating without it. Open so, source. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing. So we basically, it's like Reddit, you know, but it's just internal. So we posted this post there and it said, radical idea, you know, remove all managers at Treehouse. And, uh, and then we emailed everyone and said, okay, there's an important discussion happening. Check it out. Um, and uh, the whole company ground to a halt for like two days. <laughs> you know, just everyone was getting there. And, and one key thing about our, our companies that were distributed um, and you know all this, but I'm saying this for your viewers' mm -hmm. sake. Um, you know, we therefore we ask everyone to communicate, if possible, through written words. So you go onto the forum. You, you don't call people because then that conversation is siloed. You know, and no one else can see what was said. The idea is try to communicate everything through this, uh, you know, Reddit-like tool. So, so there was there was like 450 comments on this post. You know, and it was threaded like way down, and upvotes and downvotes were happening, and and people were getting really, you know, upset or, or excited about it. And out of that, basically, you know, people's primary concerns were: how do you stay aligned? You know, how in the world does everybody move towards something meaningful and stay coordinated? How do you know we do things like discipline, or how do we do things like promotion, or how do we hire people, or how do we fire people? So. We had to explain all that, and you know the the basics of that stuff. You know, are um, you you if you, you people if what they want to hire someone, they they say, listen, you know, we need more, we need another designer, we just don't have enough capacity. So they'll propose that, and then most everyone goes, okay, well, that yeah, you probably need somebody because you think you need somebody, and you're the closest to that, so go find them. And then they hire, they get in candidates, and then they vet them, and then they hire them, and. You know, Al and I have some say on that, you know, but the point is, is people usually know at the front lines what's happening, so we let them make those decisions. As far as staying coordinated, all we do is, Al and I, we set monthly um, priorities, and those are very high priority, very high level. They're like, uh, we need to, and they're kind of stupidly obvious, like, we need to decrease cancellations, you know, we need to increase signups, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and they're all kind of obvious anyway, but it's important important that people understand like these these are what's happening, and then we we let the team um, propose projects, and and this is the key unit of work is a project, and so that you know in the marketing world that would be like hey we want to launch a camp we want to launch a campaign on YouTube, and and then what they do is they write a description you know we're going to launch a, YouTube, a campaign on YouTube aimed at the you know thirty to forty year olds uh, you know 
career changing people, you know, et cetera. This is the budget we want to spend, and this is how we're going to measure success, and that's pretty key. So, you know, we're going to try to increase, you know, conversion rate by 0.2 percent. We're going to try to get a CPA of whatever, you know, very, very kind of atomic measurements of success. So there's a goal there, and then how they're going to get to the goal, right? Correct. Yep. And this is just all done, and this is a simple tool that we built. It's mm -hmm. called Flow. It's just a Ruby on Rails app, um, and then. The interesting thing is then you go and you add people that you need. So you'll say, I need a designer, I need a developer, and I need a community manager. And then you submit. And then every day, an email sent to the whole company that says, hey, these are the projects that were proposed. And, and then if people see something they want to work on, they go in and then they click join. Um, yeah. Wow, this is like this is like playing like an RPG or something where people join a party and go hunt like dragons. Yeah, exactly. They're like clans, you know. Like, yeah. I want to join this. I I think I'd be good at that. And they join, and then the only thing that will stop or start a project is if you get enough people to join it. So there's no sign off, you know. I I I know I you know I never ever approve projects. They just happen. Mm -hmm. And the the amazing thing is. Um, is that every day I see these emails come through about projects that were proposed and every day there is insightful, awesome things that people are proposing that I, you know, I knew they needed to happen but I didn't you know, exactly know how they should happen or who should do them mm -hmm. or when they should happen. And all of these things are, are being taken care of because instead of you know, two co-founders you know, and, and five executives and mm -hmm. four managers and you know, running a company, you have 60 people thinking, you know, like owners. So, so far, it, it's working. And, you know, it's kind of mind-boggling to me. It's, it is chaotic. You know, there's yeah. definitely this feeling of like, sometimes I'm like, what is happening? You know, yeah. it's, um, you know, we used to have a 90-day plan and yeah. it was, you know, all allocated out. And now it's like, there, there is no plan. There's mm -hmm. just do good stuff and figure it out. And, and, uh, it has been shockingly awesome. I, you know, and, and the and the worry is, and and you know, you always had this struggle, and probably every marketing person has a struggle of getting resources. You know, mm -hmm. how do I get designers and developers to help me out quickly? But the the way we've dealt with that is, we said, okay, we have focus areas. You know, we have marketing, we have education, we have retention, we have ops. You know, mm -hmm. so pick an area that, in general, you're passionate about, and then. And then try to focus on that area. So the designer and developer, they've said, you know, I, I, I'm passionate about getting people to sign up. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to focus on that. Any projects that come out, I'm going to, you know, focus on them. I still don't have to do any of them. Um, but I want Treehouse to win. So, of course, I'm going to do whatever I can. And that's you working. What if it's like uh, what if it's like a boring project that needs to be done? Let's say you know I tell a designer he needs to do I, we, I need help with banner ads. Like no one wants to do banner ads. Yeah, I know it's you know what's weird is I think because um, no one has to do anything anymore because mm -hmm. ultimately you could have pulled your card right and said hey, listen you know or you, if we had put a designer under you mm -hmm. you know like most most CMOs you know will say I've got a team I just tell them what to do. Mm -hmm. um, when you change the dynamic so that you don't have to work on something, it, it but but you have generally said like I'm interested in, in this area. It seems to change that, and now, 
you know, we get banner ad refreshes almost same day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we get new landing pages, you know, two days later. Um, and so something has changed, and I believe it's the fact that people say, listen, no one can make me do anything. Mm -hmm. When I choose to do something, I, I might as well be good at it and get it done fast because um, I need it to get done. The other thing that we're noticing um, is that, you know, you'll notice on that team there wasn't a marketing manager. That, you know, you have a designer, developer, someone to buy ads, mm -hmm. um, someone to run the community. What we're finding is that unless you have the skills to execute, you know, to actually do the design or to do the development, it does slow you down because you have ideas, but you can't necessarily get them done. Mm -hmm. So what we're trying to do is say, um, I think what's going to, really what's going to happen is there won't be places in the company anymore for people that don't actually do because there isn't really a point. You know, if, if you have an idea, but you can't actually do anything about it and you're always trying to get resources, then you kind of get slowly pushed out. Um, that won't always be the case. Like, you know, there's, for instance, biz dev roles. You know, you have someone that's like, I need to go out and form this relationship. You know, that's not like a design dev role. Um, but I don't know. Well, you know, it, 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 all I can say is, you know, we've got 60 people. We're, there's a lot of moving parts. And we're, but we're growing faster than ever. Um, that's, it must be working. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, obviously we can talk about no manager for, for days and days because there's so many variables. Um, but I think the key, take, the key thing with that um, is that you need to have a team, like you said, full of smart people that are self-motivated. Otherwise, it's not going to work, right? Yeah, that's kind of the basis. You got to have people that are, are responsible and driven and talented. And I think what we're finding, we were, you know, we actually had to let some people go when we, when we did this change. Mm. The reason why is because they weren't able to operate in that environment. You yeah, know, they yeah. just said, they just kind of said, I, I, I like being managed, you know, and we said, well, sorry, it's not going to, you know, so it, it's, there's certain type of employees that kind of want to be guided and they just don't work in a no manager environment. Yeah, I can see this working for like a ton of startups or a lot of um, businesses in growth mode right now, and I'd actually like to <laughs> use it myself. Um, cool. So, you know, let's talk about the, the four day work week. Um, you know, why did you decide to come up with it? How's it working out for you guys right now? Cool. So, the four day work week started um, in 2006, actually. So, it was before, way before Treehouse. And the idea was, you know, okay, well, actually, so I, I quit my job as a web developer started my own company and then I started working like, you know, uh, 50 hours more a week, you know, and I was like, wait a minute, I thought running your own company was supposed to, like, you're supposed to control your life and um, something, something weird is happening and what I realized is that no matter how much I worked, there was always more, you know, I, I could work, you know, 40 hours more work, you know, 80 hours more work, 100 hours more work, it, it kind of just never stopped mm -hmm. and and uh, we thought, I wonder if it's possible not work Fridays. You know, we're, we, we do information work. We don't, you know, make bolts, you know, that have to come off the factory line. Mm -hmm. So if we could work smarter and more efficiently, maybe we, we could get five days of work done in four. So at the time, though, it was just me and my wife. So mm -hmm. that was easy to like, say, okay, Fridays, we're going to take them off. Um, and then we hired our first employee, and, and we had to decide, are we going to actually do this or not? And we decided to do it, you know, and pay a full way, pay a full salary plus offer, you know, full vacation plus Fridays off. And uh, 
And ever since then, we've been doing it. And you know, now we have 60 people. No one works on Fridays. Um, it's highly discouraged to overwork. You know, it kind of means you're not managing your time correctly, um, or, or you're not, you know, curating your personal life. Either of those things are bad. And I, I don't know. It's crazy. It works. I mean, it's one of these things that it, it kind of fits in with my naively optimistic worldview. Is that well, let's just try it. And and thankfully, this plus the no manager. These kind of insane ideas, um, they 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 kind of defy odds, you know. And everybody I talk to is just like, "That's this is crazy." I mean, you are, you know, you have twenty percent less time than all of your competitors. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're totally screwing yourself. And I think we had to say, "Well, um, we're just going to believe that we can be smarter and faster." And and you know, sometimes it doesn't work, you know. Of course, we are paying something for that, mm -hmm. um, but I think long term, you know, we want to build a hundred-year company here. We can build one where people can have, you know, fifty-year careers. It's got to be better, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I can attest to that. I mean, it—I was part of the four-day work week. It worked out really well. Um, and it, you know, initially, I had the the same the same you know neg negative neg negativity towards it, where it's like twenty percent—that's a lot, right? Um, but you talked about you know not overworking and you know when I used to work out of your place in in Portland I noticed there was always a cutoff time where you had to spend time with family like go away and plays like I'm gonna go spend time with my family so you know a lot of I think a lot of entrepreneurs kind of screw up there or don't pay that much attention to it so um, you know what are your suggestions to people that uh, in terms of like spending more time with your family and what's your process for like setting cutoffs and all that kind of stuff we you know this really only I really only got good at this when I had kids mm. uh, to say before that it was really easy and to, to let work slide into personal time. So I think it was just a reality that my kids were, were going to grow up. And, 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 and they would reach a point when they, right now they're really cute. They're like, you know, they say, Daddy! You know, and they want to hug me and kiss me and they miss me and want to spend time with me. And, and I know there'll be a point when they're too cool for me. Um, you know, and that, that's like imminent. You know, that's going to happen. I can't stop it. And, and so that terrifies me. You know, so I sort of think, Wow, I you know I could send some more emails or get back to people, but or I could you know sit down and play Lego with mm. Jackson, and, and, and which one is actually more valuable right now? Well, clearly it's spending time with my son, so they're both valuable. But I, I think you know thinking about your life as as short helps me to do that, um, and also realizing there's just always more work to do. Someone even if you work. You know, 80 hours, someone's going to work 100. So you'll never win. Um, and, and ultimately, if you are running your own company and if you're an entrepreneurial type person, like, isn't the whole benefit of that that you create this universe that you live in that you control? And so if you can control that, you know, why not choose a universe where you can have fun, do something meaningful, and also have personal time and, 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 you know, the answer seems clear to me. It sounds like you know having kids totally puts things in perspective, um, and yeah, don't want to be that overworker. It's hard, you know. I um, and I still feel kind of jealous of people that have this infinite time. I try not to, you know. Someone like a Jason Fried, who, mm. you know, I, I don't know if he haven't even has a girlfriend or not, but he seems just to have a hundred percent of his time available to to focus on Thirty Seven Signals. And this priming, it's like, gosh, I, I, sometimes I wonder if I am losing out. But the truth is, 
Yes, of course. Uh, of course, I am missing out on some time I could spend on my business. But I have this amazing thing happening over here that, and of course, it takes you know some of my time, but that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Totally agree with that. I think there's more important. I think family is always top priority, right? Yeah, and you know, on that note, and I know you and I uh, are both passionate about working out, and you know, part of that is I also spend some time at the gym every day. Mm. You know, and and I mean, I. I change that a little bit, so I wake up at five. I work from five to six thirty, and then the kids wake up. And the reason why I do that is because I want to go to the gym from nine to eleven uh, during the day. And so I'm kind of spending time out of work at the gym. But the the part of you know, I think, well, again, that's you know, I want to be fit and I want to be healthy. And and I started a company so I could have this freedom, mm-hmm. and I need to not feel guilty about that, you know. And, and that seems to work. Right, and then all the all the benefits that come from working out. I mean, it's it's a no brainer, right? Totally. Um, so, you know, Treehouse has world class investors, right? You have some of the best um, best known investors. So, you know, what what's your advice to people that are trying to attract world class investors? Well, so again, it comes back to the running events. It's crazy. So I got connected um, to Kevin Rose because of our events, mm. and and he was the key that got me amazing investors. Um, so he spoke at our event in San Francisco. I didn't know him from Adam. You know, I met him literally on stage, and and then and we kind of you know became friends slowly, and then and then started emailing and got to be better friends. And then at one of our events in Las Vegas, I was like, "Hey, I want to show you this thing we made," you know, and and show you its growth, you know, because it was it was going crazy. And mm-hmm. and he saw it and he's like, "That's amazing! I want to invest." Mm-hmm. You know, it's like what? <laughs> and I think. You know, having that kind of friend access to the initial investors seemed to move the needle for me. Um, because then he said, "Listen, I'm going to put together a seed round. You know, that'll be amazing. Don't worry about it. Let me just introduce you to the right people." And so he introduced me to Chamath at Social Capital, Reed Hoffman at Greylock, you know, folks like that. And I, I, I maybe could have got to those people if I had networked a little bit and tried to figure it out. But I think the key was having. Kevin sent an email and say, "Listen, I just I just invested fifty thousand dollars, and I think you guys should too." You know, it's kind of it's the best recommendation you can get. Now, if you don't have that, I, I think the world is changing since even I raised money now with Angels AngelList. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. it's pretty fascinating what's going on there now. You know, and I think it makes it much easier to raise a seed round or even an A round, but you still need access to that person who's going to kind of lead the syndicate. Mm-hmm. So you still need access to that kind of, you know, um, A-list type person. And again, that's where meeting people physically in person just makes all the difference. You know, having a drink with somebody and and laughing and and maybe talking about your kids changes everything. You know, it it gives you that ability to email that person and get some sort of meaningful response, or because you actually have a real relationship. You know, um, and you can't. It's hard to kind of you know, fake that. Yeah, and I mean, in person, like you said, like meeting people for a drink, that, that almost beats everything else. It beats email, it beats just calling, so nothing beats face-to-face in my in my mind. Um, so, in terms of, um, let's talk about entrepreneurs organization. You know, you joined a few months ago, I just joined a few months ago. You know, what, how has it helped you exactly? Yeah, so EO is good, and, and it's a, like, uh, there's a number of these kind of organizations, um, but uh, I, I like EO because the idea is you have to be a CEO, you know, you have to be doing over a million a year in revenue, and 
the idea is you get connected up with other other people like that, and then I don't know about for you, but the value for me is in my forum. Mm -hmm. So the forum is basically a small group of people, and and the idea is you have total confidentiality. So you go in and you can share, you know, things that are really um, scaring you or things you're really excited about. They could be personal or business related, and and then the the thing that I love about the group is the whole gestalt um, protocol, which is you can't give people advice. So all you can do is speak from experience and say, well, um, I had an experience that was similar, and this is what I did, and this is how it worked for me. Instead of you know, I think you should do this, and 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 that removes any of the worry about you know, so he gave me advice, and I'm not going to take it, or I took his advice and it was bad, and. Um, and it's been good. I kind of think of it as kind of like small group therapy for COs, you know. Um, the the thing that I don't like about it that's hard is um, that I'm married and I'm not allowed to tell my wife anything that happens mm. in the meeting. And I think that causes some friction. Mm. You know, um, Jill, my wife, has always been my equal, you know, someone I share everything with. And there's a little bit of weirdness there. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I think it'll work out. Yeah. You know, on that note, um, I'm not sure if they do it in, in Portland, Oregon, but I mean, you know, this will probably be helpful for the audience too if you guys are looking to join EO. But in LA, they actually have spousal groups too. So the, the girls yep. are, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I need to see if we can join up on those. Got it. You can send her down to LA. But yeah, um, yeah I, I totally agree. You know, it, it is the form that helps, you know, um, and you have people from all different trades. Um, you know, there's people that are significantly older, you know, um, and then there's people that runs all different kinds of businesses that can share different experiences. And I think, you know, paying that small fee for one year. I mean, it pays for itself many times over. And they have a lot of cool events, too. Um, oh. So definitely try to join EO. Or they have a program called Accelerator if you haven't reached that revenue number yet. Um, so running down here, we have like two, three more questions. Um, so Udacity, you know, pivoting over to vocational learning. Um, what's your take on that? I, I, say, I thought it was interesting. It, I mean, it's total vindication. I mean, they, they basically are copying our model. Mm -hmm. um, they... You know, we and as you know, we always said we our job is to make people job ready for real, not to you know do a MOOC, not to you know disrupt education. It's to actually make people job ready, and I think what they realize is that's really hard. Um, mm -hmm. You can't just throw people into a video and and some quizzes and, and you're done. Um, and also, asking people to pay is important because it connects them and 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 gives them skin in the game. So. It's great. It's total validation what we're doing. Um, I think that they're making a mistake because they're bringing, I mean, they just launched a Salesforce um, module and I thought, mm -hmm. you know, what's happening there is clear. Salesforce is paying them a lot of money to develop that curriculum. Now, yes, there's tons of Salesforce jobs and those jobs need to be filled. And, and actually, it's becoming a crisis that there's not enough developers. Mm -hmm. But I don't... <coughs> I don't believe that people, you know, if they're trying to choose a career, should become Salesforce developers. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it, it's not the platform of the future. You know, um, they should be they should be being taught open source tools, and then and then they can use those jobs anywhere. So, I think the danger is you basically it's a pay to play thing. You know, and the students will be very wary of that. Um, but yeah, it's it's cool, and you know, I think Sebastian is obviously very intelligent. Um, the team is very motivated. You know. Um, you know, we're scared of each other, so it's, mm -hmm. it's a good thing. That's good. Competition's always good. That's uh, right. Cool. And plus validation's good, too. Um, <laughs> so what is one must-read book for entrepreneurs? 
I would say it's how to win friends and influence people. Mm. You know, the the classic from Dale Carnegie. You know, it's from like 1930 or something. Um, it has just been so good. The the other is if you're scaling your business and and you know you you have moved into a CEO role for real. Um, I just finished a book called The Great Game of Business, mm. um, and it's about open book accounting and it's it's awesome. So The Great Game of Business and How to Win Friends and Influence. I'll have to check that one out. By the way, I've been recommending uh, Rockefeller Habits to everyone, and that was based on your recommendation, so thanks for that. Um, final question here. So if you, if you could go back and um, change anything about you know, growing Treehouse, I mean, what would you go back and change? I think I would, I would develop the tools to measure correctly sooner. You know, understand attribution, understand you know, CPA by campaign, and, and really get the data nailed down faster so that we would all have the tools to understand it. Mm -hmm. um, I think I would do that quicker. I would work on our referral ca campaign sooner. Our referral, you know, I think referrals, you know, getting people to talk about your product and signing up, you know, can be one of the largest drivers and we've always had that as kind of second class citizen. So I would change that. Cool, great. So Ryan, thanks so much for doing this. A lot of insight here, you know, you do things differently. Um, and thanks for the opportunity at Treehouse. Yeah, thank really you. Really fun. <clears throat> I'm starting to cough here too. Um, well, yeah. yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, you know, we hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks.